Kafka is, in essence, trading the internet security model for a private security and privacy model that's honestly not going to be really well tested. Hello, I'm Andrea Fox, Senior Editor at Healthcare IT News, a Hims Media publication. Today on HIMSCast, I'm joined by Dr. Don Rucker, Chief Strategy Officer at OneUp Health and former National Coordinator for Healthcare Technology. Welcome to the program, Don. Thank you, Andrea. Appreciate it. So how are you? How has your summer been? Uh, well, it's it's been busy. Um, right now I'm out in uh, Park City, Utah. So uh, between uh, conference calls and all that kind of stuff, trying to do a little uh, mountain biking. Oh, that's great. That's great. I was going to ask you, what is your superpower? Is it mountain biking? Uh, no, I think anybody who's seen me mountain biking would probably <laughs> be uh, charitable and say no. Um, I guess my actual bona fide superpower is just um, relentless pursuit of improving healthcare over 40 years, sort of like a dog with only one bone. I don't know if that's a superpower, but uh, persistence is, I guess, the uh, is uh, the thing. Um, uh, but you know, we're trying to ramp up the mountain biking as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Um, I wanted to do a little icebreaker before we jump into our topic today, uh, Tefka and fire updates, a little bit weighty. Um, when we spoke <laughs> in June, you went over the technical limitations of the National Healthcare Interoperability Strategy and how healthcare data outside of HIPAA and electronic health records should come into play. Um, how has interoperability in TEFCA progressed since then? Yeah, I think, um, you know, part two uh, things that you guys have done, and, and I think a broad national conversation, many places, including Twitter and LinkedIn, um, people are really thinking a lot more about how do we want to actually look at interoperability in the United States. So I think that conversation has has happened in in many spots since the proposed rule. Um, you know, for the for the audience as a reminder, ultimately this is the sort of interplay between what we can do with the 1990s document centric IHE protocols on the one hand, which are part of the or are what Tefka is doing, and then how do we use the modern internet, right? Which use is based on a totally different computing paradigm, which is RESTful APIs, JSON, fire and healthcare, you know, clear endpoints. Um, and, you know, those are just stark differences. The 1990s internet, we sort of, you know, for folks of a certain age, know was page views. Um, the modern internet, allows incredible calculations in the billions per second your entire smartphone runs on these restful apis every modern app facebook google amazon they all run on that and so um how do we pivot healthcare between these this older version the newer version now this was i think going to be except for one inadvertent thing a somewhat natural transition since we sort of know what IHE has been used for over the years, which honestly isn't a whole lot um, when you get right down to it. I know 
folks say, oh, billions of transactions, sort of like billions of hamburgers, you know, McDonald's back in the day before the number became too large. Um, but, you know, back in the 60s, um, that's what the advertising was. And they changed the number on the sign every every new billion. Um, the inadvertent thing was ONC at the behest of various folks, maybe one one entity is proposing that any participant in TEFCA can limit themselves to only TEFCA and not allow modern APIs. So if you're an EHR vendor and you're in TEFCA or you're anybody who's ever had to use TEFCA, then you would not be able to use a modern API potentially. Um, and obviously that goes straight against what the Cures Act said, which is APIs without special effort and no information blocking. This is APIs with special effort and with information blocking. So um, ONC, for reasons that I think are still somewhat unclear, um, put in that you can information block if you're a participant in TEFCA, um, right? So as a, as a reminder to folks, information blocking defined by Congress, right? So this is the law, is anything that interferes with the access, exchange, or use of health information. That's straight out of the U.S. code. And um, so that's not even a regulation. That's the U.S. code, the law. Um, obviously, the TEFCA formulation with brokers, this complex set of opaque brokers, as it turns out, um, this ancient IEG protocol and then the fact it's only as a document, so you have to parse it, directly interferes with access exchanging use, which is why TEFCA somewhat paradoxically needs an exemption from information blocking. So I think this has become clearer to a lot of people. Um, obviously, some of the parties want to information block their entire business has been based on inward information flows. Um, because honestly, our payment system has incented that. Um, but um, that's sort of out there. And I think there's a lot more understanding of that since we last talked. So one of the other things that we talked about is this national provider directory that CMS yeah. is working on. And it should you said it shouldn't be run through the QHIDs under TEFCA. Well, they, they're not per se running. I guess implicitly, they might be running a national provider directory, right? It's not clear how they would discover endpoints um, because you still have to, you know, the hard, the, there are two pieces of hard work. One is, is there a directory? And under the Cures Act, CMS is required to provide that. So that's also the law. CMS is supposed to do it. You know, they have a proposed RFI out on that, um, that, you know, has, has now been, you know, or presumably they're working on. Um, and they've already done this, UPIN, NPI, the, you know, all of the stuff that everybody in clinical medicine and in the claims world knows. So they already have a directory. It's just not very good. Right. So Congress said, hey, reboot. Let's do it. You know, let's do it modern. Let's do it digital. Um, the obviously the QHINs may have some private knowledge of where parties are. Um, it doesn't, none of that obviates the actual hard work. The hard work in this is how do I know where you 
got your medical care. If I'm software, I have to figure out where you got medical care. I can't just send a query to every doctor in every hospital in the United States. Did, you know, Miss Fox with, you know, some demographics, you know, age, you know, maybe a social security number. Did she get care at your institution? Right. That's obviously not good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so how do you do it? So you have to, there are really two techniques. One is I ask you, hey, where did you get care? And, you know, that might be an easy question to answer if the doctor um, is still working in the same practice, they haven't been merged, the hospital hasn't been merged, the hospital hasn't been rebranded five times. Um, but, you know, the way of the world is all of these things are merged, rebranding, you know, sort of um, made up names, um, you know, we, you know the deal, we all know the deal. Um, so you don't even know like what town some of these people are in anymore. Um, so you have to either ask that's sort of a localized query, or you have to do a, a directed query, sorry, where you say, hey, tell me and select from a list of endpoints. That's what Apple does, right? So the Apple Health app essentially does that. Or you do a local broadcast query and you, and you say, hey, I didn't, um, I, d I don't remember, but it was in Boston or, well, hopefully not New York maybe in the borough or, you know, it was in, I don't know, Louisville, Kentucky or someplace, right? And then you can send a query, which is a direct, you know, a, a local broadcast query to people there and say, hey, do you know this person? That hard work has to be done in all of these things. So there's no magic um, here. Um, people have thought about, well, if I just have this national patient identifier but that has a whole bunch of other issues so there is no magic here there's still some hard work i see yeah um i have been looking for some records from 20 years ago and you know i know exactly who to call and i can't get them so well that's the whole point of the cures act right that's exactly right the current thing um that um is go to basement medical records and you know just make a nuisance of yourself and you know, pay them the photocopy fee, right? That's sort of often current state of the art. Um, there's obviously a lot of battle on, you know, would Tefka have individual access service not yet defined? Um, the whole point of the Cures Act is, you know what? Screw all of that, to use a non-technical term. Make it available at the end point, and then the patient can use whatever app they want. Give them permission, give the password, and get their data and have it in their own hands. That's really what we want here. We don't want to have to go through, you know, whatever fee structure and business arrangements of the EHR vendor. The Cures Act says do it. And historically, there was issues there. And that's why the information blocking provisions were put in to begin with is because people didn't want to give that information. Um, so, yeah, you've, you've lived. Anybody who's trying to get medical records knows, I think, exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And and like we were saying before, um, you know, electronic health information, it, it's not limited to electronic health records. It occurs in, in other places. So th then there's also the data element layer, right? So uh, it's um, EHI is not limited to the data elements in USCDI, right? Yeah, I, I think you're hitting on what really is, you know, the question of the next 20 years 
which is how do we come, assuming that um, the ONC proposed rule doesn't go in place and clinical data is just locked off to be owned only by the EHR and released on their terms, assuming the public is um, allowed to have their cures acting and, you know, if they're not, there may be some litigation around that because there's some huge anti-competitive issues and there, there are a lot of a lot of things going on. But um, assuming for a moment that the public is allowed to have access to their clinical data, how we combine non you know medical record data, data not done, not gotten from you know your lab test or your MRI or your doctor note or your hospital record with all of the digital data that's out there, all your motion data, um, all of, um, frankly, things like potentially consumer history, what you've eaten, you know, the accelerometer, how much you've moved. Um, I mean, just to give you a um, totally lame self-referential example, when I go mountain biking, I actually have a digital map of every bike ride I've done in the last 10 years. So, I have it on my, you know, I'm not going to mention the device, but, you know, people probably know what the <laughs> device is. Um, and I use the device as opposed to um, the Strava. But, right, you know, between, you know, let's call it Garmin and Strava or, you know, maybe your Apple Watch or what have you. I mean, you can look at that. I can see how I'm doing on the hill or not doing on the hill. How long did it take me to, how long did it take me to get up that hill in this weather? Um, are there stuff? What's the interaction of that with all the different meds I'm on, right? The day I took that med um, or that med or that dose, how's my performance? All of these things are going to come together. So we truly have personalized medicine where the meds we're on are the doses exactly that we need. We'll see what our performance is. It's going to be a much richer world and we're going to have a lot less badness when that happens, right? You know, our statin doses, all of this, you know, with a little bit of blood testing and the blood tests, of course, are getting vastly better. Imaging is getting better. So we need to be able to combine clinical data and this non-clinical data that, um, and we don't want to shut that off with, um, you know, overturning the Cures Act through rulemaking, assuming that it's even legal, but that's, yeah. I see. Um, you know, the other side of the coin though, with you know, there's all this moving data. We wanted to move freely so that we have access, so that we travel and something happens. And, you know, the doctors that we're seeing can get information. Yep. What about data security? So then there's the, the gatekeeper on the other side. Yeah, that is, I mean, you, boy, you're hitting it, hitting it right on the, that is, you know, another one of these existential questions. It's like the yin and yang of this, right? It's, yeah. Um you know, privacy and security. Um, I think interestingly enough, that is frankly one of the challenges with Tefka, right? So Tefka is in essence trading the internet security model for a private security and privacy model that's honestly not going to be really well tested. And whenever you have these private protocols, somebody always breaches them. That's just the nature of computing. There are so many smart and frankly maybe a little bit evil people around or a lot of evil around there. Are, you know, when you have something that's this obscure, it's always broken. Um, and that's, and of course, when you look at HIPAA, HIPAA was designed in an era, right? 
same time as IHE document protocol. So the late 90s, it was designed with two parties in mind, right? So the payer and the provider, that's, you know, the X12 claims transactions or the provider and the patient or the payer and the uh, patient. Um, HIPAA did not, and the permissions were based on that. I'm letting you, doctor, hospital, use the data um, or payer because you're insuring me. Um, it was never designed for these multi-party opaque transactions. And the the mechanism for that is really, trust me, it's the IAG XUA protocol. That's really sort of a weak thing. One group, the Health Record Banking Association, has actually sent some stuff to FTC suggesting that any TEFCA transaction automatically be reported as a breach. <laughs> now, they obviously have a point of view here, um, but um, yeah, it's, you know, when the permissions are opaque, the counterparties are opaque. Some of this, for example, in a post-OBS world comes up, right? You know, because a lot of that, you know, the boundaries there are on state lines, right? There is nothing. If I'm giving a HIPAA waiver when you join a practice, I'm sort of know, okay, you're my provider or you're my payer. And typically those are within state relationships, the economic relationship, even if it's a national payer, you're in the, you know, blue cross of pick your state or you, you know, you, whatever, Cigna, Edna of that state. Um how do you know if the QHIN, right? What state is the QHIN in? I mean, you don't even know, right? Where these where these things exist, right? So all of that hasn't really been sorted out realistically, um, and you won't be able to know, at least from the things I've seen prospectively, right? Um, and so I don't think people appreciate that that form they signed with 30 other forms the first time they ever walked into a hospital or doctor's office. Remember that whole clipboard sign here, right? Yeah. I don't think they appreciate what they've just signed away back before they sort of knew intuitively what it was, right? Because even if you don't know HIPAA, you know, there's a privacy protection to the doctor-patient relationship. Everybody knows that. It's like minister. It's like lawyer, right? So we know that culturally, um, and we're assuming that digitally, but they're not assuming QHIN, right? They're not assuming that if you're, you know, if your religion is you're in a confessional, they're not assuming that that will be shared with every other priest in the country or the planet, right? Not to get religious. No, that's a good analogy. I'm not, I'm talking about religions that I'm not a participant in. So I shut my mouth up. But, um, right, it's, it's that multi-party world. Um, so that, I think, hasn't been sorted out. Um, and of course, then there's all the transaction costs, right? Because all of these brokers and toll takers. Um, so I think we just, if Tefka is just sort of left to its own devices without information blocking, it'll find, you know, there'll be some people who want document exchange, right? If you're the Social Security Administration and want to see whether somebody is on disability and you have a human being who has to read the form, document exchange is fine, right? If you want a modern digital healthcare experience, then this is not, you know, what's uh, these information blocking um, allowances are not fine. So where is the industry at in terms of support? 
Yeah, you know, as you might imagine, it varies, right? <laughs> Somewhat based on people's economic incentives. Um, surprise, surprise. Um, I There weren't a lot of comments on this because the ONC rule had so much other stuff in it, including, you know, broad anti-competitive things and AI reporting where the EHR vendor would report on their customers on use of AI or, you know, from competitors, um, use of APIs from competitors. Um, I don't know. In third grade, we used to call that rat fink. Um, I don't know what. Tattletale. Tattletale, right? Yes. Mandated by the government now. Um, that, you know, there's a lot of stunning stuff in that proposal. Um, you know, modern vendors, you know, um, are, don't want this information blocking, you know, um, Farzad has come to Eldate, had a great comment against that. I don't know. Farzad personally has not come out, but this company's comment letter, these are public comment letters. All I'm talking about is what's in the public record here. I, there's no, no two party conversations here. Athena, which, you know, is a modern digital cloud based. They were against this. You can read their comment letters. Um, Epic, um, and some of their, a few of their large customers, very few actually, you know, a couple of their large customers were, oh yeah, you know, we like this. Um, of course, they're built up to not share information, right? They want all of the referrals to come into their network. They don't ever want a referral to go outside of their networks, you know, and if you're running a healthcare system, that has a name, it's called leakage, right? So their entire design is to prevent leakage. So obviously anything that allows patient choice is, you know, ixnay, right? They're famous, you know, they hate that. Epic, um, they, you know, I guess IHE wasn't even, I don't know, this may be waggish, maybe IHE wasn't even um, old enough for them. They want, in their comment letter on page 126 and 127, with their 130-page comment letter, and they do, by the way, great comment letters, um, having been the recipient of them when I was at ONC, Epic does an awesome job with their comment letters. Um, so kudos to them. You know, they have a big footprint. They thought through this, but <laughs> enhancing competition for themselves and their customers is not understandably job one. So they don't even honestly, on some level, want the IHE stuff. They want to be able to force people to use Tefka and in writing, right? Is that email? Is it snail mail? They want to say whether if you're asking on behalf of a patient to get the patient's data out of Epic, they want to be able, you have to explain to them, this isn't their comment, public record, um, why you should not use Tefka and this document exchange architecture, which of course makes it ultimately non-computable. And they want that in writing. 1990s weren't modern enough. I mean, it just sort of, this is exactly what the Cures Act obviously is trying to prevent, which is, right. I mean, if, that's, if, if the Cures Act requires APIs without special effort, this is beyond special effort, right? I mean, what app is going to be able, we're, we expect on a smartphone for stuff to be instantaneous, right? If you are at the airline gate and, you know, you've changed your seat, or your flight's been canceled. You don't want to know in two weeks that your flight's been canceled. You want to know that second, right? So having stuff in writing, um, which is their request. Again, this is public record. This is no conversation with Epic. This is what they 
have in the federal register comment period. Um, you know, it's it's disappointing, frankly. Let's wrap up with what are the main questions, comments, and concerns uh, for stakeholders now? Because I'm sure we're going to have to have this conversation again down the line, well, right? I I think skipping you know skipping the the, the uh, you know those kind of um, regulatory politics. I think the thing I was just on on a call with somebody who this morning trying to use AI, right? How do you, you know, how do you use these modern technologies to change healthcare? How do we get data? How do we compute on data? I mean, there are extraordinary questions that we're trying to understand. For example, is a language model enough to give us a, a view of the future, or do we need some richer AI calculation? Right. I mean, everybody who handles data on the entire planet who's, you know, thoughtful about this is trying to figure out what do I do with these new um, AI models? I mean, this is not exactly news, you know, in 2023, right? The entire planet, it, it, these things are so powerful, right? In healthcare, you could easily imagine using that to run through every medical record, right? Let's say you're a PBN, another area of controversy, or maybe even you're a pharma manufacturer who this week found that you're one of the 10 medicines that CMS is going to mandate a price for you to negotiate, right? <laughs> um, you may have reported on this, um, right? How do you show value, right? Why are people prescribing this medicine? Right. And why should I charge whatever it is? Right. So everybody is looking at data and value. Um, right. And how do you get at those calculations and make those doable? Right. How do we get the data to make the modern healthcare? This is happening every second. Right. When this podcast goes up on the internet, on, you know, one part of the screen will be the podcast. On the other part of the screen will be AI-based advertisements from whatever pod platform targeting me specifically for some marketing thing. Hims won't get any money from it, I guess. Maybe they will, um, but it'll be targeting me. Why should the ad next to this discussion use AI to target me, but our discussion about healthcare is done oblivious? to the data that really would help me, right? Because I don't need another whatever they're trying to sell me, pretty much for sure, right? I mean, just on the single screen, the dichotomy between modern data and the rest of the economy and healthcare will be obvious if you step back and ponder what's painting the word, you know, the images and the audio on the screen. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Don. It was it's great to have you here. It's always great. Please come back anytime. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about this again. It's a perennial question. <laughs> all right. And thanks to all our listeners for tuning in to this episode of HIMSCast. We encourage you to rate and review us. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Thanks again and have a great day. Thank you, Andrea. Take care.